Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy, season three, our first coaching session of this season. We're so grateful that Stephen is here with us um, to kind of let us dive deep into some into some stuff it seems like you're really working through and processing. Yeah, Stephen. So you wrote us talking about, so you're 27. Uh, you've been married for about a year, but your wife and you have been together for about six years. Seems like you started long distance. That's not the case anymore. You now live together. Um, but it sounds like about a, a year in, maybe there was some infidelity and there's been a real lack of physical connection. I'm painting a very broad picture here, very broad strokes. So I want you to give us more context. Um, but that was kind of the gist of what, what we wanted to talk through today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So, um, we started long distance and so every time that we got together, it was pretty pretty connected, pretty physically connected as well. And then even during long distance, you know, Snapchat and texting and other things like that, it was pretty intimate. And then um, it started to not be. And she probably did gain a little bit of a weight. Well, since we started dating, <laughs> I haven't cared about that. And I've tried to make that very apparent that I haven't cared about that. But I think that might be part of why um, she kind of backed off on the intimate part of it, the physical part of it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't for a lack of me trying. And, you know, like I tried quite a bit, quite often. <laughs> and, and then she finished nursing school and got a job September last year is when she started. So we had been married for a few months. We got married in July. We got she we married a few months, and then by December or January, somewhere around there, she had cheated on me with a coworker. And uh, sorry. No, don't apologize. Uh, and that was very difficult for me not even just for the um uh what it looks like out on the surface but uh because of how much i had tried to be physical with her mm. or um things like that and we had kind of we had talked about it after it happened obviously and she kind of said something like oh it was um, not easy for me to do that and like it was you know i didn't enjoy because well so i found out because her co-worker's wife found out okay so her co-worker is also married and part of what was so difficult for me was that her coworker's wife found out because he was acting different and mm -hmm. was like hiding his phone and he was really, he didn't really used to do that. And part of what was so hard for me was I couldn't notice a difference in my wife, how she mm -hmm. was acting because mm -hmm. she had been kind of distant and cold for 
obviously several years. I mean, we didn't even have sex on our wedding night or on our honeymoon at all. And so part of what was so hard for me was that I couldn't notice a difference in how mm-hmm. she was acting because she's been you know, kind of cold and distant for a couple years, several years. And so um, her coworker's wife was the one who had like reached out and showed me the proof and the messages between them and that sort of thing. And so, you know, some, like, I guess, I guess my main reason for reaching out is like trying to figure out what to do moving forward because there's, mm-hmm. um, without even trying, uh, I can remember some of the messages specifically that they had sent, you know, like, um, uh, well, so I, I help her get ready for work every night, um, because she sleeps or she's a, a night nurse. So she sleeps during the day mm-hmm. and then wakes up and goes to work at night. And so I would cook dinner and I iron her scrubs and pack food for her and that kind of thing. And one of the messages that was the most painful to read was talking about meeting up with him and saying, oh, well, I'll, I'll come if I can fit something in my backpack without making it noticeable. If I can get some like clothes to change into or something without making it noticeable. Mm. And so that, you know, among, among some other ones, I won't, I won't yeah. waste time mm-hmm. reading or saying all of them that. I remember, but, um, it was, it was hard to, uh, hear from her that it was apparently hard for her to do. Like it was hard to muster up, I guess the ability to have sex with him. I don't know how Yeah, she was thinking of wording it, you know, and I've been trying to, well, um, think about like what I did wrong to get her there, you know, and try to think was I too pushy or something like that. I mean, I, cause I know from trying to, and I had never taken sorry, my, my train of thought was like all over the place. I kind of rambled no. around. Um, okay. I'd never intentionally taken the love language te- uh, quiz. I actually just got to that section in your book. And so I took it the other day. Um, and so I had kind of tried to guess my wife's love languages. And since she wasn't as physical anymore, because mm-hmm. it seemed to, ours seemed to line up that way, at, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning. So I've tried to um, do more things because it seems like she doesn't particularly care about physical touch or yeah. um she's also not a very big fan when i uh exaggerate how good i think she looks she kind of mm. gets kind of gets awkward if i'm like, uncomfortable yeah 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 you know so so i want to jump in and just say um well, I guess there's a, my first question is I, I want to see if you can kind of tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about what was the beginning of the relationship like? Like, tell me, I guess, succinctly, like, tell us about 
how you met and kind of that beginning part of the relationship. So was it always long distance? Uh, yeah, from, okay. from the very beginning. So um, I met her because she, her friend was dating my buddy. Okay. And we grew up in a similar or same area-ish. We didn't okay. go to the same high school. We went to the same area, so I didn't know her in high school. Mm-hmm. Then met her on a break, like summer break or winter break from college, one of those two for my undergrad. And then knew, let's see, and then in about June or July, somewhere around there, early July is when we kind of started talking more. Okay. And I was going to move away to another state for college. Like I was mm-hmm. going back to college. I was just home for a break and she was staying at home. And so I had a, not, not a very great experience with my last girlfriend before her. Um, Cause she also had cheated on me as well, which is like kind of also why this was very hard. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really want to date, especially not long distance. But um, kind of one of those things where she uh, just kind of stuck up on me. I was not really. Yeah, that's how it happens. Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so um, she was very good at saying usually what she wants and like what she's thinking. Yeah. So a couple weeks before I was getting ready to move back to college, she kind of looked at me one day and was like, are we dating or what? And I was like, yeah, 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 we are. So mm. started like that, started long distance right away because a couple of weeks later, I moved down to college. Yeah. She would come visit maybe once. And then I saw her summer break and then she moved down and went to the same college for her nursing degree. Okay. So that's when you guys connected in person. So yeah. yeah. What were you mm-hmm. going to say? Yeah. I just, you know, there's little tidbits of things that you're saying, Stephen, that suggest to me that a lot of your relationship has been, you know, oh my gosh, as we're listening to you, I know Vanessa feels this too, just like such a loving, nurturing, present presence. Um, I would imagine this isn't just, you know, um, the storyline in your relationship with your wife. I would imagine that this has been a little bit of your storyline in other relationships as well. And I've seen from your smile that maybe that's true. Um, And I think what ends up happening sometimes is I'm hearing so much of your wife and what's happening for her and her process. And I'm really not hearing a lot of Steven. And what ends up happening from my perspective is that, you know, I do a lot of studying of these masculine feminine energetics. And so if you are sort of the core masculine and from what I'm hearing and what you're saying, I believe that you are sometimes our pain points um, that we've experienced growing up can put us in a space where what we've learned to do is caretake for another person first, be sort of externally focused first. And what that ends up doing is it really sort of puts us in a space where we abandon ourselves, which is a little bit outside of like the core, um, masculine role. Right. And so this isn't sort of like, and when I say masculine, it's like linear circular energy, right? It's less about like, this is a man's role. And it's more about like the self-containment of me and I'm okay. And if, 
if I'm not sort of containing myself, then what ends up happening for my partner is they feel a little bit of a protective, I need to take care of you energetic, which in terms of sexual polarity can sort of throw things off a little bit, right? And I'm wondering if some of that has, is going on um, between the two of you. How are, tell me how you're tracking what I'm saying so far, how that's feeling. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think that kind of makes sense. Uh, I don't really, uh, I don't really do anything for me, you know? So, mm. um, I don't, uh, like, uh, actually kind of just now my wife is sick. And so when she's sick, she doesn't really feel well. So she doesn't do too much. I mean, I do pretty much all the cooking and pretty much all the cleaning, at least the kitchen as well. So when she's sick, when she's sick and doesn't feel well, she really doesn't have the energy to do those sorts of things. But um, like, I'm starting to get sick as well, too. And I have mm -hmm. been for a couple of days, but I still do everything because uh, she doesn't feel well. And so mm -hmm. I got to make sure that I keep doing everything that needs that I need to do for her so that um, she can feel better as soon as possible. But I don't really do uh, a whole lot for myself. Listen, I don't, I don't know how to, I'm going to get like very to the point only because, you know, we have a short amount of time together and I want to make sure this is impactful as, po as impactful as possible for you in a short amount of time. You know, I, I'm wondering what it feels like when Danae and I talk about things like, what are you doing for you and how could you take more care of you and pull more focus off of her and making sure things are going smoothly, attempting to connect with her, you know, uh, ironing her scrubs, like doing for her, doing for the two of you as a couple. And, and I don't want to say like, just throw your hands up in the air and walk away. Right. But what it feels like to potentially balance that out more where you say, I have to actually sit with myself and really think about what it might look like for me to put more energy and focus solely into myself, solely into Steven. What lights me up? What are my hobbies? You know, do I have a close group of friends? And if I don't, then, you know, what would that look like if I put some more energy and tension into that? Um, I'm wondering kind of what comes up for you or what, what you're thinking as, as I say that. Uh, well, I, I like to play video games a lot of the time too, or read or like watch, uh, TV shows or movies or things like that. And so I have noticed that, um, I don't really do a lot of that when she's home, when she's not on work at work, because mm -hmm. I work during the day mm -hmm. and she obviously works at night. So I tend to do those sorts of things. Uh, when she's at work because then it's just me and I don't really have to, um, well, I guess I, I don't really feel bad not doing them mm -hmm. or doing them when she's home because I do, I do like to spend time with her and hang out with her. Um, and so sometimes I feel, uh, guilty or, uh, she'll kind of hint at that if i if i do something when she's not at work uh like 
just the Saturday, I went to watch a soccer game uh, for a team that I'm involved with. And mm-hmm. she kind of was like, oh, like you're, you're leaving. Yeah. I want to, wanted to watch this game because it's an important game for them mm-hmm. and I'm involved with the team. So uh, I wanted to see them succeed and do well. And so they did. And then there's another one this Saturday that I told her I want to watch. And she kind of was like, hmm, kind of not, not, not really an attitude per se, but kind of like, oh, like you're, you're wanting to leave. Both times I asked if she wanted to come with me. I was going to ask and, that. Okay. Oh, we could go to dinner, go out to dinner and then go to the game. Um, but, uh, last Saturday she wasn't feeling well. So that's why mm-hmm. she didn't want to go. And then this Saturday she was kind of like, mm, maybe cause we also okay. have a dog. Okay. But I don't know what, how that factors in. These are big subjects, Steven. So I, I too, am going to ask you to really do a deep dive into, um, what codependency is and maybe like dig into Vanessa's content a little bit. She's got tons to choose from. Um, and really what I want you to pay attention to is in those moments where I'm about to do something for myself and my wife brings up a little bit of resistance, what happens for me? What happens in my body? What is the story I tell myself about, you know, what will happen if I disappoint her? What feels historic about that? And here's the thing I really want you to tune into what feels similar maybe to a caretaker in my life, um, a parent, like something from my family of origin in the way that I can sort of like contract or tense up a little bit if I feel like I could lose her love, right? There's a little bit, when I'm talking about the dance of polarity between the two of you, you guys are a little bit in the dance of the anxious avoidant dance, right? Mm-hmm. And so what that means is there's something that like from my family of or- origin, attachment wounds are coming to the surface, right? And it doesn't mean that we can't sort of like heal and come into more secure attachment within our polarity. But what it means is that you're going to have to start to just notice and play with self-regulating a little bit when the anxiety comes to the surface, when I'm afraid she could pull away from me or I could hurt her or she hurt her, excuse me, or she could need me and I might not be here for her. That's actually like a a fair amount of that tension is really, really necessary and healthy in relationships. Um, We're very much conditioned societally to be really enmeshed. It's just like normalized in our society. But what happens is if we're so enmeshed, I can't long for you. I can't have a charge for you. I can't want you um, because our erotic polarity needs you to be the erotic other. If you're like right here with me, I can love you but it ends up being very sort of parental child love versus like romantic eros love. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That does kind of make some sense. Um, That I I definitely feel very uh, anxious whenever I'm think that I'm going to disappoint her. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that we've had, that we've talked about a bunch and we've kind of had um, fight argument ish about is I'm not very good at communicating. 
-hmm. because I tend to uh, not voice when something bothers me mm -hmm. because I also, uh, I also don't care for a very long period of time about that thing. Mm -hmm. it, like, um, I don't know if, if she, if we're eating dinner and she cleared her own plate and didn't clear mine or something like that, that's just something that came to mind. I, I wouldn't care, but that's but something I, that I, she would bring up. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> and here's, here's why. Uh, the person who says, oh, I don't tend to care that long. That's not that you don't. That's just who you are. I just tend not to care that long. It's just that you've gotten better at minimizing your feelings and what hurts you. And you're better at compartmentalizing and brushing it under the rug and convincing yourself it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. It's not worth it. I don't want to rock the boat. So you should care and you do care, but you've actually just learned to like push that down. And I think what Danae is saying about some of the codependency work is pretty spot on. And to be honest, I'm not saying do the codependency work to save the relationship because this actually isn't about you and her. This is actually about you and your relationship with yourself. Because whether it's with your wife or whether it's with the next person you end up with, if you and your wife don't make it, this is going to be a pattern that continues to follow you. So at this stage, right, we have to make a decision and say, okay, I'm actually motivated to start working on me, start putting attention on me, start valuing me, start loving me because my relationships will be better for it, right? That's like a that's like a nice perk, but it's actually just imperative that I focus on me, otherwise all of my relationships are going to suffer, including the relationship with myself, right? Including my ability to feel connected to something larger than me, including my ability to feel passionate about what I want to be passionate about, including my ability to tap into my life force, to be just like an excited, fulfilled individual in this world, relationship or not. All of that is affected by essentially what we're talking about here together today. And I think the relationship with your wife is more of a byproduct of, and what happens is these close intimate relationships become a mirror back to us. It becomes something we start looking in a mirror and going, oh, I see me in this. I see where I can dive deeper, love myself more, do some more work, right? Um, and I, like, again, I'm not saying throw your hands up and walk away from the relationship, but I actually think you need to rewind a little bit and start really putting focus on yourself. Um, it will benefit the relationship, but that's not the sole reason to do yeah. it, right? Um, yeah. I would suggest actually looking up some Al-Anon groups in your area. And I would actually suggest starting to do some real CODA work there. So whether it's some CODA anonymous groups, whether it's some Al-Anon groups, and I'm happy to email you some of these links. Um, I do a codependency course, like a full course on this. So, um, I'd love for you to sign up for my emails so that you can, I'm actually putting it out a new version pretty soon. So I want you to kind of be the first one to hear about it. Um, okay. and a takeaway just right here and right now, because this is going to be a long journey. Okay. As somebody who's mm -hmm. still on this journey and Danae is as well, <laughs> um, 
this is a lifelong thing. This isn't like a light switch, you know? Um, but some takeaways, I, I feel like right now in this moment, I want you to, as hard as it is, ooh, do I know how hard it is? I want you to verbally express to your wife that you've decided for yourself that you're going to start doing some work on you, that you're going to start putting some attention on you, that you're going to start learning about some of these patterns that come from upbringing, that you're starting to see trickle into what's happening with her. And I want you to verbalize that because I want her to obviously be aware of what's going on for you, but it's also a bit of a declaration of self. Hey, you know what I'm realizing? I need to start paying attention to me more. And I, I think I'm going to start doing that more. It's a good way to kind of put a stake in the ground and make a declaration of like, I'm important. I don't think I've been looking at myself that way. Yeah. And I, here's something I just want to name as I hear Vanessa say that. I want to, I want to put out there that there will be resistance from your wife. What you guys 100%. have created is a really sort of parentified dynamic, right? And so when I've been doing a lot of the carry or the heavy lifting, when I've been doing a little bit of, um, you know, the parentified energy with caretaking, um, yeah, mm -hmm. what ends up happening is, you know, just like a child starts to take a parent for granted because, like, you know, our parents are just meant to do these things for us. Our parents are just. I just take for granted that you're going to be there. It feels good. It feels easy. It feels like, yeah, like all, all under function, you function for me, all of those things. Um, Keep doing those dishes. Keep ironing my scrubs. This is great. I got a sweet deal here, right? Yeah. I don't want you to stop doing that. I don't want you to take time for you. I don't want you to um, focus on yourself, but I will not. And this is not conscious. This is not something that your wife is doing intentionally um, at all, but her subconscious um, does not respect you. I'm just going to say it really bluntly because that's the truth of what's going on. She can't respect you unless you really love and respect yourself. So this is this is why Vanessa and I are pushing you a little bit to bring the focus back inward because there's just like an alchemical shift that happens between you. All of a sudden, the energy shifts and it becomes like, oh, whoa, wait, where did Stephen go? All of a sudden, he's like not all focused on me. Like, well, what's he focused on, right? And I'm in agreement with Vanessa. The outcome, or it's not bringing the outcome to, you know, this will bring us closer. That's not the reason for doing this work. It's more the trajectory of where things are going um, will continue unless we do something to interrupt this pattern. And that has to be bringing the focus back to Steven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, man. Got uh -huh. my hand really just listening to that. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. And it, like I said, it's not easy. And it's a, this is the life, this is lifelong journey stuff. We're not talking about, you know, quick fixes. I mean, but, but what Danae's saying is really on point. Like when you start shifting the energy inward and you start focusing on you by nature, the relationship is going to change and shift. You know, a lot of people are in your situation where it's like, what can I do? How do I fix this? How do I get through this? How do I, and usually the answer is, what can you do for you? How do you, how do you take the focus off? I need to fix. I need to save. I need to do something to them, for them, to this relationship and actually say, what can I own? How do I turn the focus back on myself? Because inevitably what happens is that relationship is going to change. It is going to shift because you're going to change and shift. So sometimes it's important for us to say, it's less about me getting my hands in that. And it's more about turning the focus on myself. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense. So I, 
definitely don't do anything like that. And we know. I definitely <laughs> we can we can tell. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I I definitely was the same with the last girlfriend too. If I think about it, because mm -hmm. I was very. I think sometimes I say to myself that I don't want to say what's bothering me because I don't want them to be mad or upset. And sometimes um, I've voiced what has bothered me or maybe have said it in a, in a not very nice way. And my wife has said, why are you being an asshole? I'm like, oh, I'm not being an asshole. I'm just saying, or saying, okay, well, your tone is mean. Okay, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say, and mm -hmm. so that I think plays a little bit into it because I don't want her to be. Uh, I don't want to upset her or have her think that I'm an asshole. So, well, Stephen, she's a grown up. <laughs> she's allowed to feel upset. You don't have to. You don't have to protect that. I want you to think back again to childhood. And how much of what you're saying right now feels connected to how you showed up in your childhood home? Were you able to be completely open and authentic? Did you have parents who looked at you and validated what was going on for you emotionally and helped you process it and put it into words that felt like, oh, this makes sense. I, I, I can integrate this. Did you feel like you kind of walked on eggshells at all when you were growing up? Um. It's hard for me to think back like that. Um, my mom is somebody who, grown up, she had a thousand jobs that she was doing. Yes. She was. She had one job, part time, another job, part time, six, seven things that she was volunteering for. Okay, so there's some abandonment stuff here, and this is what Danae is saying about the anxious attachment stuff. This is a lot of attachment stuff stuff as well. So this is where this inner journey starts. This conversation that the three of us are having is a bit of a threshold for you. Okay. This is, there's a reason why we all got together. You had this push to kind of reach out to me. You, you know, you're reading this book. You're on a threshold right now where you can't unsee what you see. Mm. You can't go back to who you were because you see and know too much, meaning your eyes are open to potential of like, oh, what are these patterns? What could this be? How, you know, how does this play out in my life? How have I shown up in, in my old relationships? What about childhood? Once those doors are open, it's really hard to close them again. So yeah. this is your call to step into self-understanding. This is your call to start stepping into owning yourself, owning your autonomy, owning your authenticity, owning your adult self, right? Starting mm -hmm. to do some work on like, the individuation process, like growing up emotionally. Um, and I think your wife is actually providing you a really amazing opportunity and a really amazing mirror to give you that opportunity to start doing this work. Okay. Yeah. And P.S. Stephen, it feels like they're not connected, but when we are trying to keep things calm and copacetic and, you know, like we're all good, that's great, but that is not life force. And we can't have sex without life force, right? Like that is where that energy comes from, right? So sometimes it's good to have conflict. That is fire. That is energy. It's energy. Yeah. 
So, you know, again, wish we had more time um, to dive a little deeper, but I think that what Vanessa's saying is really important. I think this becomes a starting point for your journey of understanding how some of these codependent tendencies show up in all of us. It's literally the air we breathe in this society. And um, this becomes a really beautiful opportunity for you to start to do some of that healing work. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking me and listening and Gosh. offering the advice that you have. I wish we had more time. We could do this with you all day. Do me a favor though, um, email me and kind of keep me posted. Let me know how you're doing. I'm going to shoot you an email. I, I wrote a note um, with some links and some things I think that will be beneficial for you to start um, yeah. reading and just kind of exploring and digging into, and then um, we'll keep in touch. All right. Well, thank you very much, both of you. Okay. It was very, okay. very helpful. Good. I'm glad. All right, Stephen. I just want to hug him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a sweet soul. Oh my goodness. I just, uh, I feel like the entire time, you know, we obviously can see him. Those of you listening who can't, you know, can't, uh, the entire time we were talking, I felt like I was seeing his inner child. Like I was just, I was speaking and, and he's coming from a very wounded place right now. Right. Obviously coming fresh out of some infidelity and stuff, but that is usually, I guess those moments when the inner child comes to the surface, but it was like, I was just looking at his inner child. I mean, it was so front and center. Mm. Yeah. I find it's always so interesting to me how our wounded child from the space of attempting to maintain attachments will often be in the space of attempting to caretake, latch on, hold on to another person. When a lot of times what is required is for our inner adult to sort of stand up to that person and not parent, right? Like it's, it feels so counterintuitive when we're attempting to maintain an attachment. And so much of what we've been conditioned to believe is this is how I get love. This is how I stay connected to this person. And a lot of times what it's doing is the opposite, right? Because it's really difficult for, um, you know, it, it is like children, like children need boundaries and they will test, right? And so if we aren't boundary with the people in our lives, we teach people how to treat us, right? And so if we aren't sort of firm in our baseline of like, no, you will treat me sacredly. This is the boundary that I'm setting for myself. That person will continue to push and challenge that boundary, I find, you know? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, um, listen, I, I, I will say in between, you know, when we got off recording <laughs> for those of you listening, you didn't get the, the insight into me being like, I just think we're going to shout from the rooftops, like all the codependency stuff. Like, I feel like even if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you're probably like, how many times it's like codependency bingo. How many times can, can Danae and Vanessa say codependency or like talk about this in one recording or one episode, but y'all, I mean, it is a, a freaking societal issue. And there's a reason why so much of what we talk about continues to come back to this work because it shows up for all of us. And I think this radical shift in how we see ourselves and how we see ourselves in relationships, it's exciting to me. I have to choose to let it be exciting to me because I think we're creating a new paradigm. I think we're really creating a new world by 
just like digging the shit out of the psyche and like getting in there and just it's like pulling weeds. I don't know. That's like the image that's coming up for me right now. Um, the garden, the flower bed can be so luscious and so beautiful. And there's just this like utopia of relationship on the other side. If we can just kind of get in there and just weed this shit out and I'll just forever say it over and over and over again. And I know you will too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think it is such an exciting time to be alive when we are recognizing that codependency is not something that occurs, you know, with people who are married to an addict or, you know, someone struggling with um, substance issues. Like we used to hold what codependency was. No, there's a societal way of relating that is codependent and mm -hmm. it's not loving one another well. And I think it is just such a beautiful thing to come into the space of, you know, as we heal ourselves, we're actually able to be in conscious relationship with one another. Mm. Well, we'll be rooting for Steven. Go Steven, go. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us here on cheaper than therapy we really appreciate you sharing your time with us we mean it we're so excited to announce that we're bringing back our now annual intensive retreat to kick off the new year we call it from self-abandonment to inner belonging yeah it's going to be the first week in january january 1st through the 6th in carefree arizona at the most incredible location savannah wellness resort and spa yeah. So during this week long immersive experience, we're going to be supporting you in doing the work that we are most passionate about doing with our clients, but also with ourselves. This work is all about pattern interruption, taking a hard look at the ways that we've been living that aren't necessarily in alignment with our full potential. Some of the ways we've been societally conditioned to abandon ourselves as a way to maintain our relationships, no matter how unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. So tangibly, what that looks like is working to understand our codependent patterns, doing a deep dive into shadow work, what that is and how we can start to understand our own shadow, using the tools from our background in depth psychology to support you in living a life that feels like it's filled with meaning and moving into a more interdependent way of operating in all of our relationships. So if all of this sounds like work that you're feeling called to do in your own life, we would obviously absolutely love for you to join us in January. Yeah. So head to the link in each of our Instagram bios, or you can go to Vanessa's website under retreats for some more information. And we just can't wait to kick off another new year's together in carefree.